Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about how to command a room. Stephanie was concerned about commanding a room. In particular, she worried her voice wasn't up to the task. I asked what specifically she worried about. I'm monotone, she said. People tune me out when I talk. They do? I don't, I said. Well, you're different, she said. How so? Because it's your job to listen to me, she said with a laugh. Well, maybe, but some people are hard to listen to, even for me. And Stephanie, you aren't one of them. No, she asked, curious. No, you're not. Uh, Let's start with you being monotone. You're not. A lot of people think they're monotone, but they aren't. A true monotone would sound like a robot from a 1950s science fiction movie. Nobody really sounds like that. Well, okay, she said, maybe not monotone, but like you said, hard to listen to. If that's not monotone, what's that? I said, Stephanie, instead of focusing on what makes people hard to listen to, can we flip it and think about what people do that makes them able to command a room? Yes, she said with energy. That's what I want. Okay, if you want your voice to command a room, you have to treat it like an instrument. If you're going to ask your voice to perform, you need to groom it, exercise it. Take it out for a walk, she said. More like going to the gym, I said. Stephanie, can I tell you three areas of exercise for your voice that you might work on? Sure, she said. Hit me. I said, okay, before I tell you the three areas... I want to plant one seed that's going to strengthen all three of those areas. No matter what part of your voice you're working on, this one seed needs to be part of it. (laughs) Holy moly, okay, what is it? Variety, I said. If you want your voice to command a room, your voice has to have variety, vocal variety. I continued saying, consistency, any kind of consistency numbs our brains. When there's a lack of vocal variety, we stop listening. So as you exercise your voice, the meta goal is to create as much variety as possible. Variety keeps people listening. She nodded, like being a monotone turns them off. Exactly. Yes, I agreed. Okay, one final thing before I tell you the three areas. There's a big obstacle to doing this vocal work. So think about your voice. You know, you think you're monotone. Some people think they're squeaky and some people think they're nasal. No matter what you think about your voice, your brain accepts it as normal. In your case, your brain knows your highest note and your lowest note, and your brain accepts those as good and proper. As you develop your voice, you're going to stretch your highest note a little higher and your lowest note a little lower. When you stretch those norms, your brain is going to resist. It's going to tell you you sound ridiculous. It'll try and snap you back to what it thinks is right. If you want to develop your voice so it can command a room, you have to push past the discomfort that comes when you stretch your default settings. She nodded. Got it. Resistance is natural. So now do I get the big three? (laughs) You do, I said. Okay, here they are. R-V-P. That's the acronym I use. R-V-P. Rhythm, volume, pitch. So those are the three areas you're going to exercise. Let's start with the R, rhythm. She gave a grimacing smile. 
Are we going to do tongue twisters? <laughs> tongue twisters, I asked. What made you think of tongue twisters? She said, I had this friend back in middle school. She had a tongue twister she could do super fast, and it always made me laugh. That's rhythm, right? Talking fast? Yes, I said. Or talking slow. Sometimes it's an attention grabber just to slow words down. You know what that makes me think of, she asked? The sloth in Zootopia. I burst out laughing. Yes. She said, my girls and I watched that scene over and over. We cry. We're laughing so hard. That's all about rhythm, right? The bunny cop can't slow down, and the sloth is so painfully slow. Right, I said with delight. With a big smile, she said, okay, I won't go as far as the sloth, but I see how I could slow things down sometimes. Or speed up, I added. Or, she said, stop altogether. One of my girls shows me these dance videos. These dancers are amazing what they do with their bodies. I cannot get enough of when they're doing all these fast little movements and then suddenly they snap to complete stillness. That grabs me. That's rhythm, right? Absolutely. Pausing is variety, and variety makes rhythm powerful. I'm not great at it, but I admire it. Okay, I can expand my rhythm. So what's next? It's V, volume, loud and soft, right? Right, I said. A great place to start exploring volume is to begin observing people. Are they easy to hear? Are they too loud? It's funny you say that, she said. Just yesterday... I met a friend at a coffee shop, and there was this guy. I swear his volume was stuck on 11. He was so loud, and he didn't seem to have any idea. Was he on the phone, I asked? No, he was with another person. I kept wondering if the other person was hard of hearing or something. I I kept waiting for the friend to shush him. I smiled and shook my head. Maybe that's just his default setting when it comes to volume. Maybe, she said, shaking her head. Then she said... I think I'm okay on volume. I think people can hear me. Good, I said. Here's a way to think about volume. If you want to command a room, the person in the farthest corner should be able to hear you and understand you without any strain or effort, and the person closest to you shouldn't feel like you're shouting. She said, both at once, huh? Yeah, and that's just your default setting. Then you add variety. Can you get softer sometimes? Can you get louder sometimes? Golly, I never thought about it, which means I probably don't. I leaned in. Sometimes it is fun to just get really quiet. She laughed. Make them work for it, huh? It's just more variety, I said. She asked, so how would I exercise volume? Start whispering at the dinner table? (laughs) You could, I laughed. No, but the real work is breath work. You can't control your volume until you can control your breath. Have you ever focused on your breathing? In yoga, sure. Oh, and square breathing. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great breath control exercise. Practice that regularly and you'll get good. She was making a note as she asked, what's left after rhythm and volume? P, what's P? Pitch, I said. Being a monotone, she said, wagging her finger at me. I knew we'd get there. Well, I hope I can expand your thinking about this monotone idea, Stephanie. Here's how I think of pitch. We all have a top note and a bottom note. Our voices rising and falling between those notes is our pitch. At the moment, your top note and your bottom note are pretty close together. If you want to command a room with your voice, 
you'll probably want to expand your range, add more pitch. How would I do that, she asked. Hmm, there are two exercises you might play with. The first one is particularly good for women. In the morning, when you first wake up, take a minute. Whatever position you find yourself in, just relax there. Don't move. Breathe in. And as you breathe out, put a little voice on top of your exhale. Hum or say, ah. Listen for your pitch. A lot of women hear a very different voice come out of their bodies. Lower, she asked. Much, I said. A lot of women say they can feel a rumble in their chest. That's your pitch when your voice is its most open and relaxed. Experiencing that gives you a vision of where your natural pitch might actually be. But I'd never really be able to talk like that, would I, she asked. If that bottom note was available to you, why not? She thought about that and then gave a surprised little, huh. And then she said, okay, what was the other exercise? Oh, the other exercise is to expand your pitch and rewire your default settings. You take a breath in and then use any vowel you like. You slide from your highest note to your lowest note and back up again, and you do it over and over. It sounds like this. It stretches your pitch, it stretches your brain, and it's silly. It's fun to do. So you do it while you're doing the dishes, you do it while you're walking to the car, you start tossing them off. She smiled and said, my girls are going to get so much mileage out of this. And then she asked, would you agree that lower voices command our attention more easily than higher voices? Whether you're a man or a woman, deeper is better, right? Well, deeper helps for sure, I said. She nodded. Ah, I think so too. Okay, I've got some work to do. Stephanie was fearless. Learning to command a room was important enough to her that she didn't allow her natural resistance to stop her. She understood that expanding her default settings in rhythm, volume, and pitch would lead her to the look and sound of leadership. Okay, I'm curious about something about you. When you think about yourself, when you think about your voice, how do you talk about your voice? How would you describe your voice? Hmm. I wonder what just fired off in your head. In my experience, when people are asked to describe their voice, they are not terribly accurate. Or let me put it a different way. They describe their voice in terms that other people do not. I think it is really understandable that we have a disconnection from how we hear our own voices. I mean, look, do you like hearing your voice played back? Most people don't. Most people go, ooh, I don't sound like that. And they're right. To them, they do not sound like that. Look, when we speak, we don't hear our voice because it comes out of our mouth and then loops back around to our ears. Everyone, all of us, we hear our voice inside our own body. We hear our voice in our chest, in our facial mask, in our throat. So when we hear our voice played back only as external stimulus, we just don't recognize it because it's not in our body. And we say we don't like it. We call it names. If you want to command a room, you need to start thinking of your voice like, like a big instrument that is connected to powerful bellows. Tackling vocal development is like developing 
any other part of your body. I mean, look, if you want to strengthen your shoulders, if you want to run a marathon, if you want to be more flexible, you'd put yourself into some kind of training. Same if you want to command a room. What I brought to this episode are five ideas. Variety, expect resistance, and then the triumvirate, RVP, rhythm, volume, pitch. In this part of the podcast, I want to expand one idea about rhythm, I want to expand one idea about volume, and I want to tell you a story about pitch. Okay, rhythm. So <laughs> let me start with the Zootopia reference. I'm referring to a scene that is really, it is so funny that one of the trailers for the Zootopia movie was just that scene. That's all they'd showed. It, they just let it play uncut. It's really funny. There's a link to it in the show notes. It's four minutes. It'll brighten your day. Check it out if you've never seen it. The reason it's so funny is because the animators take two characters and they put them so far apart on the rhythm continuum. And the reason it's funny to us is because we all live on that continuum ourselves, right? So think about yourself for a minute. Think about your rhythm for a minute. Uh, where are you on the Goldilocks scale? Where do people experience your rhythm? Are you too slow, too fast? Are you just right? A lot of people tell me that they think they talk too fast. Now, I have a whole thought about that, but if you would like to work on that, if you would like to slow down when you speak, what would you try and do? First, yes, you can just try and speak slower, but what you really want to start rewiring is what your brain experiences as normal rhythm. So start noticing your rhythm. So notice yourself when you talk to your friends. Are you different with this friend than with that coworker than with that family member? Think about your rhythm as many times a day as you can. And then I promise you, after a while, you will simply begin to make choices about your rhythm because you will begin to notice so much about it. That's the rhythm piece. And don't forget about the Zootopia clip. Okay, let's move on to volume. Volume. Volume's all about breath. During the episode, Stephanie mentioned square breathing. And then I just blew past it. But I want to explain square breathing and give you some thoughts about breath. Square breathing is a breath control exercise. That's all it is. It's intended to force you to focus on your breath and nothing else. It's really simple. You breathe in on a count of four. You hold for a count of four. You exhale for a count of four. And then you hold for a count of four. And then you start over. Then you breathe in for a count of four. You just do it. So you set a timer. You do it for like three minutes and you just see what happens. That's square breathing as that exercise. What you're looking for, if that's the one you choose to do, what you're looking for is ease and relaxation on each side of the square. Breathing in and out should be easy. Holding for four should be easy. Square breathing is a great way to begin to develop breath control. And of course, it doesn't have to be square breathing. There are lots of breath controls out there. Find one that feels good for you. But if you can learn to control your breathing, you can then control your nerves, you can expand your pitch, you can deepen your tone, and you can certainly play with your volume. That is all about volume. Okay, so we've done rhythm, volume. Next is pitch. I have a story about pitch. It is a story that I love. And I will share it right after this month's gratitude. I want to start by saying thank you to those of you who let me know that you liked the rebroadcast episodes the last two months. I appreciated hearing that. I'm always grateful to hear from all of you. Thank you. 
I have to give thanks to my daughter, Julia, and her partner, Ricky. We just lived together in a little camper van for 30 days while we drove around New Zealand. I am so grateful they invited me along. I am so grateful for the experience. It was the best trip I've ever had. So thanks to both of you. I love you. Thanks to the people who posted reviews while I was gone from Addis Ababa, Tagle M, from Canada, Ali O'Grady, and from here in the U.S., Ap Kurana, and Todd Thompson. Thanks, Todd. All of you, thank you. Listen, I know that writing reviews feels so different now than it used to. I cannot thank you enough for making the effort to support the show. You know that it's the only support I have. You're it. You don't hear any ads. You are my support, and I am grateful when you post a review. Okay, so a story about pitch. This story begins on one of my very first days as a very first-year student at the Juilliard School Drama Division. I was 17 years old, and I was running around from class to class wearing a black T-shirt and black tights all day long. That's what we wore all of us, boys and girls. It was very exposing. I was very earnest. I wanted to do my best. One day I was told to go down the hall and sit on a chair outside an office, and I went and did that. And on the chair is a piece of paper with a poem written on it, so I start reading the poem. And then the door opens, and one of my classmates walk out of this room. The room is tiny, and she says, go on. My friend says, go on in, and I do. And behind the desk is a woman who introduces herself as our voice teacher. And on the desk is a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And pointing at my side of the desk is a microphone. She asks me to sit and read the poem into the microphone. I do. She records me. And that's it. I'm out. I'm on to the next thing. We never saw that tape recorder again until our fourth year when she made some recordings of us doing some of our vocal repertoire of exercises that we had learned over the years. And then... On one of the last days of school, she brought the tape recorder into the classroom, and she told us it was a two-track tape recorder. She had recorded our most recent exercises on the opposite track from the poem that we had read four years before. She wanted us to hear where we had begun our vocal journey and be able to hear how far we'd come. And she started playing him. We laughed because, you know, we used to sound like kids. And suddenly we had these voices that we were very proud of. And then she played one person from four years ago and we all listened and went, who is that? It was this girl with a Southern accent who sounded really childlike. And so we're wondering, like, is this someone who's left the program? And our teacher goes, oh, no, no, she's in the room. And whoever it was didn't even know who it was, you know? We couldn't figure it out. Our teacher flipped the switch to the other track, and all of us went, What we heard was this rich, deep actress's voice. This woman had become one of our most powerful actresses, and she had a commanding voice. It was like a miracle. She had transformed so unrecognizably from that child's voice to this woman's voice that was so powerful. That story has always stuck with me for two reasons. One is the idea that just a little bit of daily discipline every day 
can make such a big difference. Look, we worked hard at Juilliard. You know, we were in class eight hours a day, five days a week. And, you know, if you do anything for that many hours, you're going to get better. But what we've learned about the brain is that short bursts are great. The key is repetition. If you exercise your voice with any regularity, it will improve. The second reason that that story sticks with me is because over the years, I have gotten to witness several women who transformed their voices. It was powerful to watch, and I would just want to say it's possible. So I hope you go exploring. I hope you have fun. Vocal command is a crucial element of the look and sound of leadership, of course. And so, not surprisingly, over the years, I've addressed the idea from a lot of different angles. The podcast library has entire categories for episodes on communication skills and executive presence and presentation skills. Five specific episodes that might help you command a room are video feedback and executive presence, captivate your audience, The Power of Rehearsal, for sure. An episode called I Talk Too Fast. Yes, I wrote a whole episode about that. And Keeping Repeated Material Fresh. By the way, if you have anything you have to say over and over again, this episode is really helpful. All the links, of course, are in the show notes, including the link to the Zootopia clip. Have fun with that. All the episodes are on the Essential Communications website. It's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. All the infographics, all the tools are there for you to download. Please help yourself. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.